and you have reached Alisa and Giles podcast. And this is Lisa and Jael Trinity, also known as L.A.J. Trinity. So listen, y'all, let's go. Hello, um, Antarctica. Hello, everyone. I love you so very much. I hope all is well with you. So I'm going to listen, y'all. I'm going to get right to it. Usually, I listen. I'm going to be honest. Usually, I play a song prior to doing the intro to the scripture. This is like my seventh take, y'all. I, so I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated in my spirit and I, I want to disclose and expound in, in, in the right manner. So I'm going to forego the intro that I, I believe in flags, red flags, and maybe God just wants me to get right into it and, and forego these singing this morning. So although praise and worship sets up the atmosphere and, and invites God into the moment so that you can then pour life into others and so that others can receive, because uh, I want to get this out to you in a timely fashion and because this is like my seventh take, I'm not going to do the song at this time. So I'm going to get right into the scriptures. I'm going to go to uh, Luke, the book of Luke. Luke was a disciple of Jesus. Um, when the disciples, they were 12, God, uh, son Jesus started out with uh, 12 disciples. And if you know history, if you know culture, they, they, are, they, are, they were Jewish by culture, race, and faith. So they were Jewish. Uh, the 12 disciples plus Jesus was Jewish by race, culture, and by faith. They were completely Jewish. And um, they started under Jesus' ministry as teenagers. And they were found while they were working. When you want to be used by God, when you want to, when you are in a position and you are serving already, that is when you invite God into your life, not only for miracles, not only to introduce miracles into your life as you pour into others, as you are serving, as you are being productive. You invite God into your life 
to be used by him in a special way. When I, some of you are very inspired by movies like Marvel and, and Spider-Man and I'm speaking to the young people right now. It is a beautiful thing to watch a movie of a superhero and want to, and you are inspired and you aspire to be like them, to, to have their courage, to have their bravery, to rescue people, to pour life into others. It is not far-fetched to say, I want to be a person with superpowers. Jesus has superpowers and we know that he was real. His prophets had superpowers. They were, able, they were able to tell the future. They were considered very uh, important instruments of God. When you are in a position where you are serving and being productive and working, you invite God to walk up to you by this fisherman's boat or by the desk or, or at school or at home while you're on your computer uh, learning new things. And you invite God to say, listen, John, listen, Caitlin, listen, Caleb, listen, Michael, listen, Anne. I want to use you and I'm going to give you superpowers. You are going to have a relationship with me that no one else has before. And I want to show you how to serve me and love me so that then I can use you in the world and you can contribute and be a positive asset to your community and worldwide. If you read the Bible, whether it's old or new, but especially, especially in the Old Testament, anytime God did anything grand, huge, large, on a large scale, in terms of missions and, and, and in terms of advancing kingdom agenda, he used young people. Joshua and Caleb, David, King David was anointed as a teenager. Young boy is king. King Josiah, noted as one of the greatest kings ever lived, ran an entire nation at the age of eight. Eight. He started his reign at eight years old. Anytime God did something beautiful and wanted to and, and needed and needed a right hand assistant, a right hand person, he used young people to make a difference. You want superpowers, God can give them to you. But you have to be in a position. To serve. You have to be in a position to be productive. You have to be working. When you play video games for four or five, six hours a day and you do nothing else, that is not being productive. That is not being constructive. Do you understand? It's, it is wasting a lot of time. Because now you are not feeding your spirit and soul that which it needs to not only survive, that which may that which life may bring upon you in terms of hardship because life is not always a bed of roses. Sometimes life happens and it tries to put you against the ropes in terms of boxing. If you ever watched a boxing match, as soon as you see the opponent get the person against the ropes, you already know oh, it's over for him and you're yelling at the TV, get off the ropes. Life sometimes tries to, to put you against the ropes. 
Now you have to ask yourself in terms of you, who has the belt right now, life or me? So with that being said, I'm going to read this, uh, I, uh, uh, this particular uh, passage of scripture because I think that I think what, what the problem that, that most often occurs or happens is that people don't often self-evaluate they let so much time go by without self-evaluating and checking in with God are we okay are we good uh, listen am I okay? listen I'm trying to get in now and eternity is an awfully long time to spend in the wrong place. Like, listen, there's no going back. But if I'm in heaven, I'm cool with it. But you listen, am I okay? And we forget that although God is a God of love, he frowns upon sin. And you cannot go into heaven if you have died in disobedience. It's a no. He told you to respect your parents. That you slam doors, you curse them out, and you won't take out the trash. So you go outside, or you're with a bunch of friends. Now you don't get hit by the car, but your friend does. And he dies. Was he ready? If it was you, would you have been ready? You see how dangerous disobedience can be. Once you have left this earth, and you either die or you transition. The sinner dies and goes to hell. And... This Christian, the saint, we have to call Christian saints, they transition and go to heaven. So it is that you play Russian roulette, which is a game, which is a very dangerous game. But you, you play Russian roulette, you, you gamble with your soul, your soul, when you are disobedient. Now, sometimes you do not have good parents. I did not have good parents. And therefore, we rely on ourselves if we don't have good mentors or leaders in our communities or in our families. We raise ourselves. We teach ourselves. It is not easy. I had to teach myself how to be a woman. I am OCD like... In I don't mean to get personal, but in terms of hygiene and, and just being a woman and smelling good and being articulate and, and, be, and having a little grace. Listen, I had to teach myself how to be a woman. No one taught me. No one taught me. All those women in the house and no one taught me how to be a woman. In a house full of people and I was still unloved. So sometimes we come from families that are not good families, but we are still held accountable for learning. That's because we have the potential and we, and we have God to direct us and we just have to ask him and he will send the right people into our lives. And he will guide us and lead us through his Holy Spirit who is a person, the Holy Spirit, and he leads us into all truth. So we therefore have no excuse for not doing well in life. Even if we have bad parents, I'm a living witness. So with that being said, I'm going to go to the scriptures and I'm going to read this, this John chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Luke, I'm sorry, Luke, let me bring it up and not trying to be fancy and rely on my 
my beautiful, my beautiful mind. Pun intended. Hold on. But I'm not schizophrenic. I'm just autistic. Just a moment. Okay. It is Luke, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 14. Let me open this up just a moment. Oh, oh, I stand corrected. Oh, sorry. Luke chapter 16. Verse 14 through 31. It's it's a number of scriptures, but it's important. The content is very important. I won't be expounding on all of it, but it is a, the story is self-explanatory. It's very easy to understand. I'm reading from the NLT uh, version of the Holy Bible, which is New Living Translation. That is my preference when I study. That is the Bible preference when I read. Um, if I, uh, again, if, if I uh, want to memorize scripture, I then use uh, the New King James Version or the King James Version as those are the closest translations to the Holy Scriptures, which were written in Greek and Hebrew. So, the book of Luke can be found in the New Testament of the Holy Bible. Luke chapter 16, verse 14 through 31. I'm going to read it. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money. So the Pharisees were religious leaders. They were religious people. They were Jewish, but they were religious and just religious. They did everything out of formality and for show, without any love in their hearts. Okay, so those are the Pharisees. So the Pharisees who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Verse 16. Until John the Baptist, which was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was a prophet, let's just say. Until John the Baptist, because there was another John. There are actually four Johns noted in the in, in the Holy Bible. So let me break that. Let me park it here and break that down so that you're not confused as you go back and read. So there are four Johns noted in the Holy Bible. Okay. There is John the Baptist, which was a prophet, which was to introduce who Jesus was. It was so there was John the Baptist. There was John his disciple whom he loved. John was one of his favorites. So then there was John the disciple. There is John who wrote first and second John. Okay. And then there is John who was given the revelation in the book of Revelations regarding the end and times and the apocalyptic times that we will soon experience within this particular planet in this world. So there are four Johns, okay? So this particular John in verse 16 is until John the Baptist, 
So that is the prophet John. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses, and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. So let me park it here. So in the Bible, you often see two phrases, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. These two phrases cannot be used interchangeably because they are two different things. Okay, so kingdom of God, that is referring to the people, the church, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is referring to the place kingdom of heaven so kingdom of God referring to the body of the church the people okay kingdom of heaven is referring to the place so this scripture reads but now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in and everyone you see is referring to the people and everyone is eager to get in to get in, but that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. So it's impossible to be part of a church where God considers his bride, who God considers his bride, because he marries us on the inside when we give a yes to Jesus. It's impossible to be considered part of the body of Christ, part of the church, which is the kingdom of God, without a yes. And here the scriptures are saying they are eager to get in. Eager to be a part of this body. Eager to be a part of the church. Eager to be a part of uh, the body referred to as the bride in the word of God. Then it goes on to say, it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. Whether you like it or not, okay, for those naysayers, okay, the, you can't stop the kingdom agenda. You can't stop the word of God from being preached and taught and learned and spread. It, it is prophecy and prophecy does not change. Okay, it will reach all four corners of the earth, whether you like it or not. And to be quite frank, there is more for us than against us. This is for the goat. Or for those bad sheep who may be goat status. You're not right with God. You're not spending time with him. You are just a mess. You're drinking, you're smoking, and then you want to turn around and ask God for stuff. You use him as a last resort only when you need something, only when you're sick, only when you're broke, only when somebody steals your money, only when you need a, a, a little help. You put him on the back burner, him on the back burner, forgetting that there is a back burner. And if you don't get your stuff together, you're going to find yourself in a burner. So with that being said, You cannot overturn the word of God. People like me won't let you. Now, when in terms of the courtroom, I can be a little bit of a barracuda. 
I'm very aggressive in the courtroom because number one, I don't like to lose. And number two, I'm not often wrong. I'm, I'm usually right. Number three, I don't like injustice. And I, 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 I'm like my father. I'm like God, capital G. He's a just and fair God. And I, and I don't like injustice. Not, especially when it comes to people, good people. But in terms of this, the law and preaching the scriptures and letting other people know about God and letting other, and you know, you got, you, you forget that there are children in the world and that the age of accountability is eight years old. Once a child or a person gets to the age of eight years old, they are accountable for their decision making and their choices. They can either go to hell or heaven at the age of eight or above. Seven and under, you, you're good. But eight and over, you're, that is the age of accountability. That is Bible. Just King Josiah started reigning at eight. Surely, an entire nation. If King Josiah was entrusted with an entire nation at eight years of age, surely you can wash the dishes and, 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 and take out the trash. And tell your parents, I love you. You understand? So the age of accountability is eight years old and above. So it is important to know that spending time with God should never be just optional. Your free will for choice, yes. And he's not going to force you to love him. But he is such a cool God that I, I don't know who wouldn't want to serve him and why people tend to use him as a last resort. It is not fair. Because what you don't understand is that God also has feelings. He's a God of love. So he feels it as he gives it. So the way he feels love from you and when you do praise and worship, when you honor him in your, in your task each day, when you go before him in, in words of admiration, surely he feels pain when, when, you, when you hurt him, when you curse his name. When you ignore him during, during the course of the day, he has feelings. He's God. He has feelings. And I always keep that in mind. I tell God all the time. I say, God, you are my first priority. And I will never hurt you. I told God I will never hurt him. And I meant it. He is my heart. I often tell him, God, you are my heart. You are my first priority. And I will never hurt you. With this kind of mentality, when you put God first, even by default, the rest of your relationships on the planet will work out well. Because if you treat God right, if you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, this is vertical. Your relationships horizontally will be beautiful. By default, you will treat everyone, everyone else right. Now, you, you're not held accountable for how people treat you. But you have good credit with God. So, therefore, he will remember your name in a, in a good way. And you'll always be okay. So, the word of God will never be overturned. It can't be overturned. In the last days, Satan will try and overturn it. It's a no. That's a different sermon it requires going into the book of Revelations. But listen, don't be afraid 
to see Jesus in public. Don't be afraid to talk about him. The Bible says if, if you are ashamed of God, surely he will be ashamed. Jesus will be ashamed of you before his father. That's scripture paraphrased, which means you're not getting in. He's not going to look at you for eternity, forever, when you were ashamed to say his name in public, when you refused to pray. We didn't get to know him through his scriptures. He is the living word. He's not going to look at you forever, and he likes his chair. He's not going anywhere. It is you who will not make it in. So, the law will never be overturned, not the scriptures. Verse 18. For example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone who else commits adultery. For example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. And anyone who and anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Now let me just explain that briefly. Uh, let me just explain that briefly. As I said before, the bride, the church is depicted or denoted as the bride of Christ, Jesus Christ. We are referred to as his bride. He marries us on the inside when we give a yes to him. When you cheat on him with an idol, okay, whether that's through sin, as in the scriptures, adultery, which is cheating on your spouse, or whether that is serving another God. Maybe you bow down to Buddha or Allah. Maybe you 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 worship a you know uh, a, some sort of a stone or you know whatever the case may be. But it's not Jesus. Or you you try and serve two gods. You try and serve Jesus and another God. This is not. This cannot be. This is not. This should not be. It is called idolatry. I d l t l t r y. Idolatry. Okay, idolatry is, is putting other gods before the one true living God, capital G. There is only one true God. One. One. That's Bible. One faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I hope I said that in the right order, but that's scripture. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's scriptures located in the New Testament. Paraphrase, should I have gotten the order wrong? But one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So in this text, when it talks of committing adultery, we can think of it in terms of spiritual adultery. Where you have cheated on God with by, by sinning, or you have cheated on God by serving another false God. Or in terms of verse 18, for example, a man who divorces a wife and marries someone else commits adultery. They, then I'm just going to just park it just briefly. Okay, just briefly. In terms of marriage, God honors marriage. He honors marriage. He frowns upon divorce. He doesn't like it. But 
but sometimes you are abused sometimes they cheat sometimes they, it's just it wasn't supposed to be to begin with sometimes people are divorced out of ignorance they did not know they were they didn't have a relationship with God at the time so it was done you know in ignorance and they thank God <laughs> they said, this man or woman was a mess I had to leave but God honors marriage and he frowns upon divorce you should know that he hates divorce he really does but sometimes there are certain exceptions according to scripture there are two exceptions one exception is if the spouse cheats if they commit adultery if they have sex with somebody else outside the marriage now in marriage there are two people not three, not four, not five, not seven. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to pause it because I have to get water. Okay, hold on. Okay, so uh, I hope that I, I am taping. Okay, maybe I should stop it. It doesn't give me a light or anything. I, I see the, the uh, sensor moving, but that's just for audio. I'm going to stop it and play it again. And then just have two parts to have to lay down. Hold on. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I, 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 I when I teach, <laughs> I'm actually record, recording. Okay. So, uh... With that being said, okay, let me get back to this, okay. In conclusion regarding this particular place where I parked. If the spouse cheats, you have legal ground as a Christian to get divorced. If the spouse leaves the way, now the way is a term used in the Holy Bible referring to the Christian walk, the way. So when you see that phrase in the Bible, that is referring to the Christian walk, the Christian uh, life, uh, living with Jesus in your heart and, and living by the Holy Bible, both Old and New Testament. In terms of marriage, the second ground for divorce is if they leave the way. If they leave the way. If they leave the way. If they are no longer saved. Okay. If And if they want to leave, you let them go. The Bible says you can let them go. If they have left the way, they are no longer Christians. They are a mess and they don't want to stay you can let them go it's it's a no go it's a no go just it's a no i'll be just fine <laughs> it's a no so those are the two grounds okay those are two the two grounds and third let me just throw in a third one abuse You'd be surprised how many idiot ministers preach that if you are being physically abused you have to stay with, who told you that? God didn't tell you that. And he most certainly didn't tell you to tell the rest of your congregation. Who told you that? 
Anything that hurts is not God because God is a God of love. And he would not want a woman to stay when, he's, when someone is beating on them every day. Who told you that? It's a no. So if you are being physically abused, you have grounds to leave. God sets the prisons free. He doesn't mandate them to stay. That's Bible. That's ridiculous. You have to, listen. Thank God I'm on my own pastor because you know there's some crazy, there's some idiot ministers out there. Don't hold on. Let me just drink my water. See, it's water. It's not vodka. It's water. So people do just make you want to drink sometimes. Hold on. But this is water. You got some. You've got some. You've got some idiot ministers out there saying stupid things to people, and people are dying. Their, their spirits are broken. They're depressed because you told them they had to stay. Because you told them some nonsense. And let me tell you, I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying to listen. I'm listen. I got superpowers. I'm trying to save people. Listen, young people, I got superpowers. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to help people. I'm. I'm going to pour life into people because you, you got. You listen. You, you got some villains out there that are a mess. So let me go. Let me keep going. So the parable. The next passage of scripture I will be reading it is the power of the rich man and Lazarus so there are uh, a couple of different Lazaruses in the Bible okay this is one of them he this person is one of them the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and I'm going to read verse 19 to the end of this scripture this passage Jesus said this is verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. In your spare time, Google the word parable so you know what a parable is. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps, sometimes I like to give homework. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went, excuse me, and he went to the place of the dead. There is no death for the Christian guys. And he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. So he did, so there was a chasm. And it separated heaven from uh, the vision of where this rich man had gone. Okay. So he couldn't go to them. They couldn't, they obviously didn't want to go to him. But he had a visual. The rich man shouted, Father, Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. For those who say there is no hell, you're wrong. For those who say there is no heaven, you're wrong. You are wrong. It is only a fool who says there is nothing bigger than myself out there. So, the rich man frowned upon the poor man. Maybe, maybe not gave him scraps from his table instead of helping him. But he was a rich man who obviously did not have a relationship, did not have a relationship with God. He ended up in hell. Or perhaps a Pharisee who said they had a relationship with God, but was just religious. When you're just religious and you're just religion, it's just a matter of formality. You go to church every Sunday. You give your offering. You work with the... Maybe you do work with the homeless every now and then. But it's for show. But it's for accolades. But it's for... You know... It's, 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 there is no sentiment behind it. There is no love behind it. You get a little tax write-off from your charitable donation. Maybe you're a Pharisee. It's just formality. You go through the emotions, but there is no love. You're so disconnected from God. And the poor man dies, who had a relationship with God, because he ended up in heaven. He prayed a lot, most, most likely. He relied on God for provision. Now the Bible says that Jesus actually said it. The poor will always be with us. It's a different sermon. I can teach it. You have to take my class. My courses. But there is a reason why the poor will always be with us. I taught this already. But I don't have the time now to teach it today. It's a different sermon. But the poor will always be with us. But usually I will say this. Usually when you're in a place of destitution. 
when you're destitute, when you're in need, you are then in a position to more likely or most likely pray. Most likely have a connection with God because you are in need. Now, now you may be a person who loves God, but you are in need. It, it, so your so your position uh, of being destitute and poor allows you to have a closer relationship with God. And this is not a bad thing because at the end of the day, I want to get in where the real riches are in heaven. Even if I don't see them here on earth, I know that there is an eternal rich that I have inherited with my relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I'm honest with myself, God has never let me down. Everybody wants to be rich, but everybody will not be rich. Only 1% of the world's population is actually rich. The rest, 99%, are not rich. And there's a reason for that as well. Which I teach. You have to take my course, take my classes, or uh, you know, join me for Bible studies. I'll start Bible studies soon on Wednesdays. I think I might do Facebook Live or something. But uh, I, I, I will. I'm going to start doing Bible study on Wednesdays via Zoom or or Facebook Live. But. Uh, It is not the worst thing in the world when you have a relationship with Jesus and, and you're in need. And to be quite honest, someone is always in need. Even rich people are in need. You have some of the most wealthiest people in the world and they are unhappy. They are unloved. They are depressed. There is no peace. They suffer from insomnia. They get no rest. They get no sleep. But they have money. They run into an old friend and they just look at this as just as happy. They just as they, they got on their little their little urban wear or maybe they, they shop at Macy's or maybe they shop at, you know, uh, you know, Sears or you know Walmart, but look, they're happy. They can go to the mall and go to, uh, you know, the movie theater, with, you know, the, the, without 50,000 cameras in their eyes. And, you know, they can have a box of popcorn and be just fine. They, they go, they do their little barbecues during the summer. They, they go to church every Sunday. They pay their tithes and offering. They're happy. They're not sick in the body because God has blessed them. That is a blessing upon their lives for being faithful. You just are sick. You get you had an had COVID three times, but you got money. So therefore, I want to encourage those who may be in a place of destitution, where you're in need, and there are things that that that, that you know you're not rich. You have Jesus, honey, and if you have Him, you are okay. Now it's no fun being broke. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not trying to glorify being broke. That's not what I'm saying. But God will always provide. And there is a peace you have that, that money cannot buy. And you are sleeping at night. That is a beautiful thing. Because the Bible says the wicked have no rest. 
That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I will not, uh, I, I'm going to conclude conclude uh, with this. I, I didn't get into the, I, 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 I may or may not need to, I may or may not come back to this this week. Let's say this. But I think I've covered enough territory today to give you food for thought. I want you to consume it, digest it, and become strong. You need spiritual nutrition. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And I often say that eternity is awfully a long time to spend in the wrong place. Do not play Russian roulette. Do not gamble with your soul. That very moment you decide to sin or be disobedient or, or live in a wicked way. Or make a decision that is that contradicts biblical principle might be your time to go and you don't know. You get in that car with that friend who's drinking, and then there is a car accident and you don't walk away from it. You didn't make it. You think she's hot. Yeah, you know. You have sex. This is maybe even for the older person. Your heart gives way and, and you die. You don't make it because you weren't married. Or maybe, you, or maybe you are married, but this is not your wife. You get, excuse me, you get home. Maybe you don't have a heart attack during the act, but this is how I think. I, I, listen, this is how I keep, listen, I, I, I'm going to heaven, I ain't, I ain't, listen, I ain't never backsliding. I, I love Jesus and I want to, I want that sweet water and pancakes in heaven. I, listen, I want to sit on my father's lap and lay on his, lay my head on his chest and say, Sis, listen, it, it was no option not coming here, man. Listen, you ain't, listen, I, I don't play around. I don't play around. Maybe you get home. And you didn't slept with somebody that's not your wife. You get home. You take your medication as usual, but you know, then you do then you have your heart attack. Maybe in your sleep. And you didn't you didn't cheat and live. You don't get in. You have to understand that there is no recovery. You are unredeemable. In hell. There is no window. There is no escalator. There is no elevator. There is no stairway going up. There is no window. There is no exit. Decision making is very important. You must make the right choices. We are not perfect people, but we have God to guide us, God to love us into the right direction. And we have the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth, who helps us do right. The Holy Spirit is power. 
This has been Elisa and Jael Trinity video. And I hope that what I have said has resonated somehow with you. Um, I love you all. God loves you all. And may you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. After you have watched this video, I admonish you to spend time with him. It doesn't always have to be fancy and churchy, you know. Well, find a good movie, a Christian movie. Listen to some praise and worship on the radio. If you're a singer, write some music. If you're a writer, write some music. If you're a singer, sing some songs. In your own way, spend time with God. But it's just important that you spend time with God. And I will see you later through radio. And, um... Listen, I can't wait to get my teeth fixed, man. It's just a mess. I'm sorry. I, I caught a glimpse of my teeth. And uh, I love you. Okay. So let me go before I, 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 I totally go off topic. So you all have a beautiful day. Join Alisa and Giles podcast, where my motto is, you could always be a better version of who you were before. You could always be a better version of who you were before.